Hey, this is Kelly Whiffen. Thanks for joining us today for the Encounter Church podcast. We all want to live lives of better decisions and fewer regrets. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we believe the next 30 minutes can be one of the most helpful and hopeful parts of your week. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned for a couple messages. Thanks again for joining us today. So after like four weeks of watching that video, I still haven't decided whether that's a good idea or not. I don't know about you. Would you like that in the morning? No? Some of you would like that in the morning? Nor do I know whether that guy's name is Ryan or Brian. That doesn't matter, but I was going to say his name last week. I was like, I can't tell what they're even saying, but that's kind of how it happens with some of the bands that scream, right? And even I, re- I remember in high school listening to some of those like screamo bands. I was like, yeah, that's kind of a good tune. I'm, I think I'm eclectic in my music. Um, and if you ride down the road with me and listen to like music at random, I mean, it's going to go from like Beethoven to someone I promise you, you probably never heard. And then back to like some Christian song. And so I think people are probably confused by my personality with even they've listened to my music, but Screamo is not one of those I've really ever listened to because I'm like, Oh, okay, good tune. But what are they saying again? That's kind of the way it happens sometimes. But if you like that, that's okay. That's okay. You enjoy it. Um, while I have to le- read the lyrics to understand what's going on. So um, I don't know about you, but I've in- just enjoyed uh, myself journeying through the book of Daniel for me, even a- again as a pastor, some incredible stories about an incredible life. And so this month, what we've been doing is diving into the story in the book and the life of Daniel. I said from week one, and we've really been building on this idea that we all need models. From a baseball player to a cook to a mom to a dad, it's hard to achieve all that you can be in your workplace, in your home, in a hobby, in an exercise that you do. It's almost impossible for you to be your very best. It is impossible for you to achieve all that you're designed or maybe even can achieve without a model. As I said a few weeks ago, uh, I was at a batting cage and I was, you know, hitting some balls for the first time in a long time. And I did not know that my wife was filming me. And so she told me, she said, hey, I got a video of you. I was like, oh, really? Well, let me see it. You know, how am I doing? I watched about half of it. I'm like, yeah, it's not good. You know, because I've seen some good models and I know what it's supposed to look like. And so I know it's not good. Daniel is an incredible faith model for us. We've entitled this series Brave because he was and is an incredible model because of his bravery, because of his courageous faith, and because of his incredible deep integrity. God used him in an incredible way. Even this morning, just reviewing and just thinking and and preparing for today, still blown away that this man... um, lasted under multiple empires, under multiple kings. In fact, in the city of Babylon where he was serving, some of you may know the story, others of you may be hearing this for maybe the first time, that David was not a Babylonian. David was from Jerusalem. He was a Jew. And his city was destroyed, and he was taken into captivity into Babylon. And under Babylon, in Babylon, he won the favor of the king. And not only when that king died because he was because he was killed, he won the favor of another king. And here we fast forward. This is potentially the fifth king, maybe fourth, depending on um, what you learn and what you understand about um, some of the historical documents, even outside of the Bible, the fifth king he served under. 
and he was still in there. How many people in the White House, as we've said in the past weeks, uh, have, have lasted from president to president to president to president, right? There's not many people who win the favor of the next president, much less win the favor of the next king. Daniel found himself after years still being in the king's presence and in the king's court. Because of his incredible integrity, because of his courageous faith and his bravery, he won the favor of not only God, but the kings that he served under. Today we pick up in Daniel chapter 5, and I'm not going to read all the verses. I want to tell you part of the story. The king's name was uh, Belshazzar, and Belshazzar was potentially, as we pick up this story, in maybe the third, maybe the fourth year of his reign, the way that history unfolds, the way that we piece it together from different historians. So he had only been king for three or four years, and at that point, he he did not know Daniel in depth like the kings of the past did, especially his father, Nebuchadnezzar. And so Belshazzar was in charge of the kingdom, and he threw a party. Now, this party was not just any party. You can read about it here in the beginning of the, of the fifth chapter of Daniel. But this was not just any party. He invited 1,000 of his nobles, 1,000 people. Ever been to a party where you invited 1,000 people? I'm just thinking about like 30 people at Chuck E. Cheese, right? This is 1,000 people of the nobles of the region. He invited them. And his wives and his concubines, and the Bible says that they celebrated, they drank wine, the best of wine, and they threw a party. Well, sometime in the middle of that party, the king ordered some of his royal officials to go and get not just the glasses that they were using, but they wanted some different glasses and so for, for their wine. The king ordered for them to go get the goblets of gold that they stole from the, the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this isn't just any instruction. Like, this was the goblets that sat in the temple of God, right? And the, the people of Babylon at that time did not recognize God. They did not recognize Jehovah God or the, the God of the Jews, right? They recognized many gods. And so he ordered for the goblets that were probably hidden, tucked away, to be taken out and to be used for this party. And so they go and they get the goblets of gold that were used in the temple um, of worship in Jerusalem, and they begin to party and celebrate with them. You could imagine the scene, or maybe you don't want to imagine the scene, of 1,000 people, a huge party. The, 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 the party continues by saying that they begin to worship the gods of gold, silver, bronze. They begin to worship all the gods, loud music, lots of, of, of partying, and something begins to happen. The king sees a vision. And the party music stops. The vision is the vision of fingers writing on the wall. And near the lampstand, near the throne, there's a writing that begins on the wall. And the story records that the king got nervous and his face became pale and even his body began to tremble. Literally, the Bible says that his knees began to tremble. And everyone started looking to see what was being written on the wall in a foreign text, in a foreign language. It says, many, many, tarkel parsim. And no one knew what it meant. No one knew what 
whoever was writing on the wall what was being said. And so the king calls in who he has called, who he's called in before, right? Especially his father, Nebuchadnezzar. When he had dreams, he couldn't understand the dreams. He was like, hey, what's going on with this dream? They would call in astrologers. They would call in the diviners. They would call in the magicians, the sorcerers. They called everyone back in. All the council, the party slows down a little bit. Everyone's scared. Everyone sees it, not just the king. He says, what does this mean? No one knows. And so they tell the king, we, we, don't, we don't really know what this means. And so they don't have any sort of confidence to, to, to say anything about what many, many Parsin means. They don't know. And so the queen steps up and says, O king, you don't need to worry. You do not need to be pale. You do not need to tremble. There's one man who is among the gods, is the way that she described it, right, in the Hebrew. He's among the gods. There's one man that can interpret what this means. And so the king Belshazzar, he says, okay, we'll bring him in. And she says, it's Daniel, the one who found favor with your dad, the king, right? The one who found favor with King Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he's from Jerusalem. He's of God. He's a godly man. He will be able to interpret the dream. And so he calls Daniel in. And he says, anyone who is able to interpret the dream will be clothed in in, in royal purple and will be given a gold chain and will be given power and authority. Though Daniel already had a sense of power and authority to the king, this would have been another promotion, the promotion of all promotions. So it brings Daniel in. In verse 17, because we're going to pick up in verse 18, verse 17, the first thing he says is, King, you can keep your gifts. I don't want anything from you. That's how the conversation begins. And so we find Daniel in the presence of the king, looking already, understanding what it was written on the wall, and he was going to interpret what was written on the wall. Look in verse 18 with me, chapter 5. It'll be on the screen and even in the app if you've downloaded and have the app, it's in there as well. Verse 18 of chapter 5 says this, Your majesty, the most high God, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar's sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. No, guys, he, he, he did not begin by describing what was written on the wall. He did not begin by saying, well, thank you for this opportunity, right? And I have a message for you. He begins by talking about his father, the king, verse 19. Because of the high position that he gave him, all the nations and all the peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms and on the earth and sets them over anyone he wishes. Imagine this setting where Daniel comes in, an opportunity, and he understood. God gave him the wisdom and the knowledge. We read about it from the very beginning of this book, that he had the wisdom and the knowledge that was given as a blessing from God. He understand had the ability to, to interpret dreams and to interpret other languages. Talk about he was not just bilingual, right, but multilingual. And he comes in and he tells a story. 
Now, it's interesting to me the way that this reads. Without understanding much history, you could say in your mind, well, why is he telling him about his dad's life? There is a potential because there were three kings that were between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. And the reason that there were three kings, because he had multiple sons. There's a good chance that during Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Belshazzar was a tiny boy, maybe three years old, maybe four years old. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar reigned for a long time. There's a good chance he did not know some of the specific stories. But Daniel was old at this time. Between chapters 1 and chapters 5, there's potentially 50 years that's gone by. And when Daniel was let's say 19, 20, 20, 21 years old when he was taken from Jerusalem and he entered into the king's court, now well advanced, 65, 70 years old. He says, hey, when you were a little boy, let me, let me tell you about what happened to your dad. He had power. Now, Belshazzar could be thinking, well, don't I? I'm sitting in the same throne. You kind of get a little nervous when you read, especially knowing the history of the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians, the power and the the incredible things that would happen to people when they impose the king. Incredible being not good, right? When they oppose the king. And he says, whatever your dad said, it happened. He was powerful. But then something happened. He went crazy. And we, we actually skipped over, if you've been here in the last few weeks, I worked through Daniel's chapter 1, 2, and 3. We skipped over chapter 4. Chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind, and God placed a curse on his life. And the curse was that he would, what was just described in here, that he would lose his mind and act like an animal, and he did for some time. And he tells him the story, but then he says, but, but when he recognized God... When he recognized that God was sovereign over not just his kingship, but over everything, God removed the curse. And then he became more powerful than he was before the curse, that God incredibly blessed him. And so he's telling Belshazzar the story, I think, because of obviously history and his being educated. This was not the first time Belshazzar heard this. He would have known this. He was potentially king around 40 to 50 years old. He would have been in his 20s. He wasn't living in a distant land. He wasn't off to college. He knew and he saw the power of his father. And he also would have known and seen the history and the power of when his dad recognized Daniel's God. I, you know, personally, I, I have this thought that Nebuchadnezzar truly, honestly, humbly in his heart recognized that God was real and that there was only one God. There were moments in his life when things that he said, especially recorded in chapter 4, where he recognized the one and the only true God. And Daniel steps up and has the opportunity to interpret four words written on the wall. And he reminds them about his dad. He says, when he recognized God, God is determined Listen to this. God is determined to not only get the attention of the king, but yours as well. God is determined to not only get the attention of the king, but yours as well. This is exactly what Daniel comes into the king's court and says, the God that gives me the wisdom, the God that I know, the God that I love, the God that I serve, he is determined. He is set in his mind to get the attention of all people everywhere. And I believe that to this very day. I wish in 
so many ways I had time to tell you the stories and and the verses of the Bible that flooded my mind all week as I thought about this one theme that God is determined and God is set to get your attention. He is. Now, in some ways, you would say, well, he's, he's not a, we're not a marionette on a string, right? We're, we're not a puppet, right? And where God's con- controlling, there's a sense of freedom that you and I have to choose every single day. There's even a verse in the scripture that says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Like, hey, it's your choice. I, I don't think that you're surprised by that, right? You know it's it's your choice. No matter where your faith is, where your faith journey is, like you have a choice of who you're going to serve. And King Nebuchadnezzar had a choice. Daniel had a choice. Belshazzar here has a choice. And But that doesn't remove and take away the fact that God is not a God that is distant. He is not a God who is sitting on his hands all throughout scripture. And ever since we learn, especially through the life of Jesus, that he is pursuing you. You know what Daniel is reminding King Belshazzar? That God pursued your, that God pursued his father. That's what he said. He's like, God was determined to make himself known in Babylon. And that's exactly what he did. God is determined to make himself known in Babylon, and he used Daniel. God was making himself known, had a people that believed in him in Jerusalem, but Jerusalem was destroyed. And when the exiles went from Jerusalem to Babylon, what was God to do? What what did God desire to do? The same thing that God desires to do here and now, to make himself known. He makes himself known in different ways. I wish there was a, a rule to it, right? This is how God makes, him, makes himself known. But there's not just one. There are many different ways he, he makes himself known. The first is through people like you and people like me. That's how he makes himself known, through people. Another way that he makes himself known is through the power of the history of the text that we read. God makes himself known in, in incredible, powerful ways through the text, through what we call the Holy Bible. We do not believe that these are just stories written about men and women, but we believe that these are stories that are inspired by the power of God and that are real and living and have the power to meet and the power to transform. And a couple um, hundred years later, we believe ultimately that he made himself known through the person of Jesus Christ which is why Christians believe, which is why literally in first century that they were where the name and the term Christians came from, that they would literally uh, be called the people that believed and followed Jesus, many Christ, little Christians, little ones that believe in Jesus, right? That Christians have faith in God. Why? Because Jesus made himself known. And when Jesus made himself known on this earth, what did he do? He died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he offered the forgiveness of all sins. And we learn from the text that the Bible says anyone who believes, anyone who believes and calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Saved from what? An eternity separated from God. God is pursuing you and he is pursuing me. And he has done that through the life of God. Of Jesus, that Jesus loves everyone. Jesus loves the world and is making himself known today in Westwood. He is making himself known today in Massachusetts. He's making himself known today all around 
the world. And he's using a man named Daniel in this story to tell an evil king. By the way, the kings between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, those kings only lasted about 20 years. And all the historical documents that write about these kings, they have nothing but bad to say about the evil that happened. And who's still in the king's court? A man named Daniel who believed in a God who loved them. And he steps into the king's presence and he says, Belshazzar, God made himself known to your father. God made himself known to your father and your father recognized that God loved him. In chapter four, we even see that the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, praised God. He did. He said, God, you are sovereign over kings and you are the Lord over kings. You are God and there is no one like you. And I see that through what you've done to me. And I see that what you've done through Daniel. The story continues in verse 22. In verse 22, he says, but you. Now it gets a little heated. This is kind of where I thought he would begin, right? But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. What? The story that I just told you, remember, about his dad? He's like, hey, you, you knew this. You saw your dad. You saw his life. You knew this. Instead, verse 23, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. If I could just stop there for a moment. One of the reasons Daniel said that, Because Daniel had already made himself known to the previous kings that that his God, Jehovah God, the one they worshipped in Jerusalem and the one they now worship in Babylon, not all the gods of the Babylonians, but the one and only true God. This is a God that's not made of a statue. This is a God who loves. This is a God who sees. This is a God who understands. This is a God who knows. He is a personal God. He says, you're, you're gods of gold, of silver, of bronze. In essence, it's a waste of your time and it's not real. Our God can see. Our God can hear. Our God can understand. In fact, the way that he was able to even interpret the dream is because God told him. Verse, or the rest of that verse. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all of your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. Here's what the words mean. This is many, many tekel parsin. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You think that sat on the king's ears. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting, or in other words, guilty, like you owe an account, right? You're not going to get away with this. In essence, is what Daniel said. You not only took the goblets or your, your ancestors before you took the goblets of gold from Jerusalem. Now you're using them to worship your gods. You've been weighed on the scales and you have been found wanting and guilty and that you owe an account. And Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Now, he already interpreted a dream before this to Nebuchadnezzar that said that the kingdoms following your kingdom will fall, and they will fall to the Medes and the Persians. And now, 
it has been fulfilled in, the, in Daniel's life, not before. It's been fulfilled in Daniel's life. Though he had the opportunity, listen to this, Belshazzar never learned from the sins of his father. And he never learned from the sins of his older brothers, which were king for brief years before him. That he was an evil king, not just in this text, but in the text that we read about from other historians outside of the Bible. That these were evil kings that did very, very little good outside of themselves. They were worried about themselves. They served themselves. They made everyone around them serve them. But outside of that, they did nothing for anyone else or any other country, or even their own countrymen. These were evil kings. And Daniel in the sight says, I know what it means. You're guilty. You've been found wanting. And your kingdom's going to fall to the Medes and the Persians. He had the opportunity to learn from the sins of his father, but he never did. And he calls him out on it. He says, hey, you had the opportunity. Your father recognized and saw that my God was real and that he is real, but you never learn from their mistakes. What's the next part of the scripture say? Verse 29. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Now listen, Verse 29 and 30 is not what I thought it was going to be. When you read this story, I try to. I remember a, a Bible teacher of mine said, it's hard when you read a Bible story to make it fresh. Sometimes if, if, if you know a Bible story and you read it a second time, you're like, oh, I know the story. Same thing if you watch a movie. Anyone out there like watching the same movie over and over? Yeah, I don't know why I did that as a kid, but there are some movies that I just watched over and over. Major League, anybody? Charlie Sheen? I don't know. Yeah, I guess some, some people that don't even want to admit that you love that movie, um, you know, Wild Thing. Anyways, I can watch that thing over and over. And when you watch a movie over and over, you're like, I know this part. Like in the Bible, you can, those of you that may know a Bible story, you hear this for the second time. You're like, oh, yeah, I know this story. Something happens to us when we become familiar with it. Even some writers call it, this is called the, 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 the curse of knowledge, right? What happens to us when we become um, aware or in tune with certain facts and details, we can sort of lose it. And so one of the things that I do, even as a pastor, I, I try to read the Bible in a way that assumes that I've never read this before. And so when I'm rereading this this week, I'm, I'm, I'm still shocked by it. After years of knowing this story and being familiar with it, I'm still shocked that Belshazzar listens to all of this, right? In some literal ways, he could have heard this from Daniel your days are short. You're about to die. You have made some really, really foolish choices. The wine that he was holding in his hand or maybe right near him on his throne was not used for him to drink wine from. It was used to worship and honor and recognize God. And he says, here you are in the midst of not just your wife, but all of your wives, all of your concubines. I'm sure he had plenty to drink. And he was not drunk enough to not understand Daniel, right? But I'm sure he had plenty to drink. And Daniel here is in his presence giving judgment. And not just the judgment through an interpretation of something written on a wall, but judgment that says your life is about to come to an end. And then Daniel gets another promotion. 
right? Like, like how in the world? I'm like, no, wait, 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 wait. How did he get a promotion? In some ways, I, I think it's probably just because he was being a man of his word. Whoever interprets this, this is what he's going to get, right? But this is a continual favor that they see, that we see throughout the book of Daniel, favor given by God. It's incredible that that God used one man in the face of some of his friends to make himself known at this point in five different kings, under five different kings. God was making himself known. If you come back next week when we wrap up this story, one of the more popular stories in this book, Daniel and the Lion's Den. And it doesn't get easier for Daniel. The faith journey does not get... Why? Because he is not living in a land of people that have faith in God. He's not living in a land that's just full of Jews at this point. He's not living in a land of Christians, right? He's living in a land that's pagan. And he has authority in the position in the king's court. And he's honest with the king. Look at the bravery and the incredible bravery in the life of Daniel and how God blesses and honors him and ultimately gives him favor. Some of you, because of your own faith journey, have sensed that you have been blessed by God. Not that it's easy, not that it's going to get easier, but you know that God has blessed you because of your faith. You know that. And even though people around you might not believe what you believe, even though people in your workplace you may feel and you may actually be isolated because of your faith, in some ways you may have even received persecution like Daniel did, like his friends did, but you know that you have been blessed and you have been honored and you have received favor from God because of your faith. Here we look at the life of Daniel in a, in a land that's not his own, in a land that that is being ruled by people that just a few generations ago killed his family and his friends in the exile in Jerusalem. He is standing in the king's court and he speaks honestly on behalf of God and gets a promotion. And that night, it's incredible that we read about it right here in the very next verse. That night, the king lost his life and someone else took over was not a good party, and it did not end very well. God brought his judgment. The summary of really of these first few chapters of the book of Daniel, what I love is a theme that we see all throughout the Bible. And honestly, if, if I'm just riding on a train by a stranger and somehow maybe even on a train or a plane or maybe a stranger were walking down the road, if we just started a faith conversation, if you said, Jason, I thought about this this week, what's the one thing that you want them to know about you and your faith? And here it is. This is what I, I, I got to tell you. So I thought about all week. The one thing I want people to know, the one thing I want my neighbors to know, the one thing I want strangers to know, everybody to know, if you're exploring faith and you're in this room, here's the one thing I want you to know. All throughout the scripture, and we see it in Daniel's chapter 1, 2, 3, especially chapter 4, and it culminates in 5, that God is a God who loves you and he is pursuing you. Every man, every woman, and every place has a choice. But God is in the work of making himself known. He, he doesn't do that with an iron fist. He doesn't do that in the same way every time. God made himself known to me through a pastor. He was telling a story. 
God made himself known to you in a very different way. Some of you, God made himself known to you a few months ago, right? Maybe some of you, God made himself known to you when you were a little boy or a little girl growing up. And here, God made himself known to the most powerful kings on the planet through trauma. And that's so many people's story, you know, when my back was against the wall, God showed up. When I had no other place to turn, God showed up. God showed up in King Nebuchadnezzar's life, the most powerful man on the planet. He loses his mind. God grabs his attention. He begins to worship God. And then his son and his son and his son and his son never learned from that. And by the way, the fourth son, King Belshazzar, now in charge of the land, he throws a party and worships every god that he knows, at least in that time, right? Throws a party and a celebration for all the gods of Babylon, except for the one and only true God. And Daniel steps up and says, here's, what's, here's what it means, and here's the judgment. Even in the next the chapter that we will read in chapter 6, God continues to make himself known. He's making himself known here today. He's making himself known in your life. And I don't know how he's making himself known in your life, but I know that this is what God desires to do. And my one plea for you, no matter where you are on your faith journey, is that you would be open to it. Because one of the sad things that I've learned and that you see as well is that because you have a choice, you can, just like the kings of the stories that we read, even all throughout the scripture and all throughout history, and the people that even are around us in our lives, you can do this. It's your choice, right? You can't say, nope, I don't want it, and walk a different direction. And you can kind of put your fist up, right, and put your hand up and say, no, not, not, not for me. But man. Several years later, hundreds of years later, when Jesus gave his life on the cross, he made a declaration for all people in every, every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And what was declared by Jesus, the very one that we build our calendar around, right? No more has been written about any other man than the man Jesus. What he did for you and what he did for me on the cross was a declaration that he was making himself known, that he longs to know and he longs to, 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 to be in a personal relationship with you. And I love the declaration that we learn in the scripture that anyone who calls, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Anyone. In the book of Daniel, we find one man, one man's proclamation one man's courageous and brave faith that makes himself known to an entire kingdom. And even next week, as we wrap up this series, we're going to see how his faith continues and extends to a sixth ruler, right? That takes over in Babylon, how he still has the favor of not just the king of that time on the earth, but the king of all kings. And that God uses him to make himself known today. If you have faith in God, and you're continually on your journey, I hope and I pray that you remember today that you are able to be a Daniel to people around you because of your faith and because of your courage, because of the words, because of the proclamation that you have, because of your faith, you can be a Daniel to the kings around you. And if that's not you, 
Maybe you're on the other end of it. Maybe you see the Daniels around you and you say, I'm open, but I don't know. I'm open, but I'm, I'm not sure where I stand. God is passionately pursuing and making himself known to you today. I would argue even because the fact that you're in church today or maybe you're listening online, that you're open and you're curious. It's why you're listening online. It's why you're taking time out of your busy schedule in the middle of the week to join a podcast and listen in, that God is making himself known all around the world. Even for me this week, I thought, you know, God, I know you're making yourself known. Like today, as I open up the Bible, you're making yourself known to me. You're making yourself known to other people around me that encourage me. You're making yourself known to other people because of me and the way that I can live. This is what Daniel, Daniel was simply a messenger. In some ways, that's like, like even what the, the word angel means, one who, a messenger, one who carries out God's work. This is all that Daniel was. He was, he was an angel, a messenger to the Babylonians. And God made himself known incredible ways. And the story gets even better. We've only hit four chapters out of the book of Daniel. We're going to hit them uh, one more chapter next week. And I hope that you'll return and realizing that as a Christian, as a follower in Christ, you can be a Daniel. And if you're not there yet, there are Daniels all around you that are being used by God to make himself known to you and to me. Pray with me. Thanks again for joining us. Did you know we've created a free app just for you? Whether you are exploring or want to grow in your faith, the app is a great place to start. If you found today's teaching helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you on site or online at Encounter Church soon.